From the brains behind Teal the Show, this is Teal the Podcast, your source for Jaguars news and analysis with NFL insider Mark Brunel and your host, Cole Pepper. We welcome you into Teal the Podcast. This was going to be all about the Jaguars winning the game, and uh, we're recording this Monday evening, and just a couple of hours ago, I think what may be a more substantial, at least a more interesting story developed with the NFL PA, the Players Association, um, making a ruling. We'll talk about what how they rule in a moment. But making a ruling that the Jaguars uh, have basically been running afoul of the CBA uh, and uh, bringing unreasonable and disallowed fines to uh, players or player. Uh, Mark, the the big takeaway here is Tom Coughlin fined Dante Fowler $700,000 for not rehabbing at the stadium two off-seasons ago, and 25% of the complaints to the NFLPA have come from the Jaguars in the last two years. What in the world is going on down there? Oh, it's not good. Well, first of all, Cole, it's a very bad look at a time where this organization doesn't need a bad look. Uh, it has not been a good season. You add this on top of it, it does not look good for the leadership, uh, specifically Coach Coughlin and the organization as far as just playing by the rules. I think uh, listeners need to understand that you do not have to rehab at the facility, obviously. Dante it's, a, it's an option you can. It's not that you sure. are disallowed to in the offseason, but you cannot be made to be at the facility in the offseason other than for the mandatory minicamp. Correct. And and now, players, uh, I've always believed that if you're going to get rehab, it's always good to be in the facility. You're going to get uh, the, the best care. Uh, you know, Dante Fowler had his reasons, of course, but um, he didn't break any rules. He was fined a lot of money. Mm-hmm. By the way, Dante's a happy man right now. Um, that's a nice Christmas bonus f- for him. But again, it just it's a bad look. You've got an old school football guy that uh, apparently thought he could get away with the rules. I would be shocked if he didn't know the rules, but it is a blatant disregard for the collective bargaining agreement, which was agreed upon by Tom Coughlin's boss, Shad Khan. So again, it, it just doesn't look good for the organization. I, I cannot believe that he didn't know this. I, I, it's arrogance. It's not stupidity, right? This is, this is Coughlin thinking... I can do what I want. It is, and it's it, it it's a pattern. This isn't just a one-time mm-hmm. thing. Uh, now, the magnitude of this, $700,000, and it being national news, probably is unprecedented, but there have been times in the past where players have been fined, uh, not at that level, of course, that have been appealed, and and uh, uh, things over the years, uh, when, you know, when Tom was at, uh, uh, in the first go-around with the Jaguars. So this isn't anything new. Um, but what's more damning isn't the fact that it's this $700,000 thing for Dante Fowler. It's the fact that 25%, if I'm not, I think you said 25% of all the complaints have been against one organization. That speaks volumes about a pattern of what's, what's taken place for a number of years. And also, the fact that it's happened over the last two years, that means, as you would expect, there are more complaints... I'm guessing. Yes, you can tell me from a team uh, to the PA 
when they're losing than when they're winning. When they're winning, there may be some grumbles, <laughs> but when you're getting your tail kicked week in and week out, there is no flexibility if you're a player as far as you know how the uh, how the organization is treating. Yeah, it's just the difference between winning and losing, and, and uh, um, it's it, it's night and day. This business is is a performance based business. It's all about winning, and when you're winning, everything is great. And when you're winning. You feel like you can get away with some things. You, there's, you know, you you think that uh, you could go, uh, you know, above and beyond the rules, but you just can't, especially not in the climate uh, today. All right, l- let's walk through sort of the mechanics of how something like this happens. How a complaint against the a team comes through the NFLPA. Were you ever uh, a player rep? No, I was not. Never. Ne- it's a. It's a. I think a thankless job in a lot of ways. Yes. Um, but if if you had a, a, a complaint, first step, go to your player rep? Well, no. The first step is uh, if if I had a complaint, I felt I was, like I was wronged, I was fined for you know a bunch of money for something that just didn't seem right, you really go to your agent. That's the job of your agent to represent you. Uh, have him find out, okay, what are the specific rules? What exactly does the CBA say in this case? Because the players don't really know all the specifics. They may not like being fined, but, you know, by and large, most players don't really know the specifics of the rules. Well, Dante Fowler's agent, he did know the rules or figured out the rules and and filed a complaint, uh, communicated with the NFLPA, whoever he talked to. Um, But really, the, the team player rep... Uh, not a good place to be because you're you're representing the players, but you're working for an organization. It's a tough place to be. Uh, a lot of those guys over the years have not looked uh, were not looked uh, favorably uh, upon by the organization because their job they're the watchdog. Uh, most of it has to do with practice time. Most of it has to do with. Uh, how much contact is going on at practice? Right. What the uh, what you're wearing at practice? Um, too much tackling, tackling to the ground. The the environment today is entirely different than it was 15, 20, 25 years ago. Um, so that's typically what the player rep does. He's kind of the watchdog to make sure that, as far as practice is concerned and time spent on the field in the building, he's he makes sure those those rules are, are adhered to. You know, I'm sort of burying the lead here because I think the most scathing part of this release by the NFL Players Association was a line in there that said, after it talked about 25% of the complaints coming, they put a line in that was sort of a gotcha line, which was, to the players, you may want to consider this information when selecting your next team. Translation... Don't go play for the Jaguars as long as Tom Coughlin is there because you're going to be mistreated. And that's a terrible look for the Jaguars. Not just a look, it's going to have an adverse impact if Tom Coughlin is here next, you know, as free agency begins. And maybe even without Tom Coughlin here, there's going to be a suspicion that, well, maybe this is more than just one guy. It's going to hurt the Jaguars in the offseason trying to get better. Yeah, it, it, it's a, uh, it's don't go there. Because in all likelihood, you're going to get fined and you're going to be asked to do things that you're not supposed to do. Uh, Again, it's a bad look. But at the same time, Cole, if a team is a perfect example, Andrew Norwell a couple years ago when he's doing his deal, you know, with the money that they were throwing out, I don't think he was really thinking, you know, maybe I don't go to the Jaguars. They were over, they were because of free agency, because of the market, they over they gave him a big chunk of money. And that takes precedent over any 
potential environment that you might be stepping into. I know that's what players think. They're looking for a big contract, not thrilled perhaps about playing for this team because of potential consequences. But guys are thinking more money than anything else, Cole. All right, so let me translate this. The Jaguars, a team that is going to be somewhat squeezed by the salary cap in the offseason, a little or a lot squeezed, we'll see how things play out, is going to have to overpay for a player to come here not just because they've been a team that's been a losing team and not gone to the playoffs 11 of the last 12 years, but also because of this looming thought about how they handle players. None of that's good. None of that's good, but this is, this is nothing new. Um, in 90, 1996, 97, 98, the first go-around Cole, and you know this, the word was out about Coach Coughlin. The environment, how hard it was, he's a disciplinarian, uh, a lot of fines, tough to play for. Uh, you know, some had heard that it was a, just a miserable existence playing for the Jaguars. Because of that, there were free agents that were hesitant to come here. So back in the day, we had to give out a lot of money. We had to talk those guys into, yeah, you know what? It, 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 it's not easy here. It's tough here. But, you know, here are the numbers. You know, you may want to consider, even with how things go on here, that this is a good place to be. But you were winning. And you could say yes, but... Very good point, yes. All right, so if you were trying to entice Bryce Pop or Gary Walker or whomever to come sign, uh, you were winning. True. Now, what does a... You know, because players talk to other players about what it's like there, right? Oh, yeah. So if you're a player on the Jaguars right now and you think, hey, we need to get a defensive lineman and there's a defensive lineman out there in free agency, how are you selling them on it? Well, I think a lot a lot of it has to do with uh, um, who the leadership is next year. Um, and this may be uh, a nail in the coffin, perhaps. Mm-hmm. A nail in the coffin. You like what I did I there? like what you did there. <laughs> uh, and so w- with new leadership comes a new environment many times. And so, uh, you know, uh, if you are a free agent, uh, you get a big contract, those numbers are the same in a different place, maybe like Baltimore or San Francisco, other teams that are winning. Um, you understand full well that, you know, maybe I just want to go to that place. I don't have to worry about the the breaking of rules and, and being in this type, type of environment. Last thing on this, and we'll move on to the game. Um, how miserable is it to play for Tom Coughlin when you're losing? <laughs> it wasn't a piece of cake when you were winning either. <laughs> Listen, and I'll tell you this. I appreciate Tom Coughlin now more than I did as a player because stepping away from it and being on different teams and just growing up too, you kind of get, you kind of understand the method to his madness. Now with that environment, there were some good things. His expectations were very high, Cole, but you knew exactly where you stood. If you didn't meet those expectations, he was, he was going to tell you, you were in his office, Mark, you're not playing good enough. Mark, we need better here. So I didn't like hearing those things. But when I stepped away from it, I, I realized, all right, you know what? I knew always where I stood. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's nothing wrong with discipline. There's nothing wrong, wrong with rules. Uh, there's nothing wrong with a coach that's firm on you that will get after you uh, when, when you know, you're not playing real well. Now, the problem is in today's environment, the kids are different. It's, tough to, it's tougher to communicate with them. It's tougher to motivate them. 
Um, it's, it's, it's a different breed for the most part as far as connecting with the current player. And so a lot of those old school things that you thought you can get away with and do, it doesn't work anymore. Um, but uh, listen, Coach Coughlin gave me my shot. He was great for me. Was it easy? No, it wasn't easy when we were losing. It, it, was, it, was, it was better when we were winning, obviously, because you're winning, and that's, that's the name of the game. But uh, there are coaches, and Coach Coughlin is at the top list, where it's not, it, it's not like we used to say club med. It, it, it was tough. Training camp was tough. The, the days were tough. The practices were long and grueling. Um, but Tom's not the only one, but he's kind of one of the few guys left over from that old school mentality, the Bill Parcells. And I mean, Bill Belichick's still around. He, he runs a real tight ship. Uh, nobody gets away with anything. So you can win in that environment. We proved it, but it's much tougher today in the NFL, in my opinion. Does any of this change your opinion of the Telvin Smith situation or the Jalen Ramsey situation? No, it doesn't. It might shed a little light on, on the environment. Um... I haven't changed as far as how I feel about Jalen Ramsey, and I don't know enough about Telvin Smith. Telvin might have had have some issues that he's dealing with. It, in, regardless of, he might have not wanted to play football, being on any team. Jalen Ramsey didn't want to be a part of this, uh, and he has his reasons, of course. But but, uh, and I don't agree with any of them. The guy, if he stayed, if he if he just did his job, played as well as he could have, uh, he was going to be in the Ring of Honor, and he was going to be in the Hall of Fame, and he would have made well over $100 million by the time he got at the end of his career. He may still do that. I just, you know, it would have been nice if he was a Jaguar and, and uh, was the model teammate and the model uh, uh, player for the Jaguars. All right, let's turn our attention for the moment to the game in Oakland. That's one of the more bizarre games I can remember. <laughs> yeah, a tale of two halves. Uh, I mean, just like that first half, they've got two first downs. Minshew's completed three passes, and I'm thinking, well, here we go. Just another one. The story had already been written, basically, right? We knew where this was going, yep. only we didn't. Jaguars did get some breaks, for sure. But they also made some plays, and Minshew directing two touchdown drives in the fourth quarter. Um, it's not going to change much in no. terms of what's going to happen at the end of the year. It's not going to change much in terms of the draft status, maybe a, a pick here or there. But I, I, I think it was one that the players and Doug Marone really needed. They did. I don't know if it changes things. Uh, they needed it for this week. Uh, they needed it going into you know the Falcons game. Uh, first, first of all, the Raiders gave away that game. Really poor clock management at the end, but that does not take away from what we saw again from Gardner Minshew. Uh, the kid doesn't quit. We've talked about his moxie. We talked about his leadership. This is his team right now. He made some plays when he needed to make it. But if you look at the the, the body of work. You know, if you're thinking, if you're thinking, you know, Gardner's our guy going forward. Well, you know what? Let's pump the brakes a little bit because you got to look at everything. The first half was about as bad as it could be. But he went out there. He didn't quit. He didn't let him phase him. It's like it, nothing bothers him. Okay, the first half's the first half. I'm going to go out here and, and do what I can to compete and win this football game. And he did. It's rare. Six-round pick. We could stop talking about this six-round pick because if he was a first-round pick, we'd all be thrilled. He started 10 games. He's won five of them. It's pretty dang good for a rookie quarterback uh, on a very bad football team. Uh, okay, we've played some bad teams, but I'm impressed with the kid. I, am I sold on him being the franchise guy going forward? I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Um, 
Some people may not like hearing that, but I'm just not there yet. He's got a lot of areas where he needs to improve upon. I'd be surprised if he didn't. Um, does it settle our quarterback issue? I don't think it does. The next two games will be will, will be interesting. But uh, man, you've got to get a lot of credit to to uh, to Gardner Minshew. And he did it without DJ Chark. Yep, uh, the best wide receiver on the team. Uh, the pass protection wasn't very good most of the time, although late in the game. And give Leonard Fournette some credit for this. They did a much better job of picking up blitzes. Yes. Um, Jawan Taylor, I thought, played his best game uh, in quite a while. I'm still not particularly pleased with what's happening at left tackle. Uh, and there was some inconsistent run blocking. But, boy, you win a game when you haven't won. You know, it had been seven weeks of real time, six NFL weeks because of the bye week in there. Right. Since the Jaguars won a game, five straight losses, and then the week leading up to the game. Um Huge relief makes everybody feel uh, just for a week. You know what? Less bad. Maybe not. Doesn't make it feel good, yeah. but it makes it feel less bad. It's a good moment. Enjoy it. We don't know what's going to happen next week. Listen, we're still a bad football team, mm-hmm. and we're going to finish a bad football team. Maybe we finish seven and seven and nine. Maybe. I don't think that changes decisions that are made after the season. I really don't. Um, because that window, like you mentioned it, those six weeks, those five games were very telling about where this organization is at right now. And one game, while it makes us feel pretty good, Cole, I just don't think it does a whole lot. We're going to, for the next six days, this is great. Hopefully those six days will turn into another 20 days and we can finish the season off in a positive way. I'd be shocked if it would happen that way, but we we'll were shocked we won that game. We, we beat I have the been shocked too. before. <laughs> The last thing I wanted to mention is the the fact that it happened in the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum, as I once wow. called it, the house that Banizak built, uh, th- that to ruin the Raiders fans fogged in apparently more <laughs> weed smoke than has been seen since the uh, Grateful Dead uh, stopped touring. Um, the fact that it happened there... I think is tremendous. And Avery Jones said after the game that he didn't want to be the guy who turned on ESPN Classic in 20 years and saw the last game in Oakland and saw the Jaguars being beat. That was a real motivating factor for the Jaguars. Oh, it was great. It was a great moment. Anytime you could spoil someone's party, and uh, uh, it's it's great. And, and listen, the, the Raider fans have had it coming. They have treated people so badly over the years, uh, I've played in Oakland. Uh, my family has been in Oakland. They have, you know, in the stands, haven't been treated well. None of our families were. It was a dangerous place to go when you were a Jaguar fan playing there. And so, uh, um, yeah, uh, very fitting. Just a perfect end to a uh, a great run there for Oakland. Great tradition. But, uh, boy, that was fun to watch. You know, as a guy who grew up in Kansas City watching Chiefs Raiders games, I can tell you now Every time the Raiders play in Kansas City, Raider fans get in fights in the stands in Kansas City, usually in the upper deck in the cheap seats where they are, because <laughs> that's all they can afford. Uh, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> well, that's also, it's Arrowhead. There aren't that many seats available. Fair enough. Uh, and they're always Raider fans getting into fights. They are one of the most unruly fan bases in any sport in any state in the Union, uh, and they take pride in that. Yep. I'm going to be interested to see how that changes in Las Vegas. First of all, I think they should change the name of the Raiders. I think they should call them the Whales or the the High Rollers or something. Something to t- to tie in, you know, what a whale is in Las Vegas. Yeah. is a guy who comes oh, yeah. with all kinds of money and, you know, blows a bunch of it and doesn't care. Um, whatever that is. But I, 
I don't know what the atmosphere is going to be like at a Las Vegas Raiders game next year in a beautiful new stadium. By the way, designed by a high school classmate of mine. Oh, uh, so impressive. Yeah, that, well, not for me, it's not. But uh, oh. he was. I'll tell you about that later. You know people. I know some people. Uh, I, I I can't imagine what a what a Las Vegas Raiders game is going to feel like. Yeah, that's interesting. I, they should change the name. Uh, they're not the Raiders anymore. Um, been you know, the, the thing is, is it's it's not that far from Oakland to Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. They'll find their way there. I'm sure. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> it's a long Uber. Yeah, it really is. All right, that'll do it for Teal the Podcast. Uh, We'll be following this whole thing with the NFLPA for sure. We want to invite you the next two Monday nights through. A lot of you have some time off over the holidays. If you want to get out of the house, uh, bring the family or leave the family behind, depending on how they're acting. Come on out to Sneakers, Jacksonville Beach, every Monday night, uh, the next two Monday nights. And uh, we'll have the Mark Brunel Show live on CW17 at 7 p.m. Hope you can come out and join us to wrap up the season in style. For Mark Brunell, I'm Cole Pepper. Thanks so much for listening to Teal the Podcast. We'll talk to you next time.